Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Merry Christmas and welcome back to God's Planning. Today, we uh, we're blessed, I guess. I don't know if we're blessed to have everybody here, but everybody's here. So this is Father Jacob Bertrand, Jancic, Vocation Director, checking in from Washington, D.C., uh, joined by Father Bonaventure Chapman, also from D.C., Father Patrick Briscoe from Providence, Father Joseph Anthony Cress from Charlottesville, Virginia, and Father Gregory Pine from somewhere far away. We don't really know. Some country, Switzerland, probably. I think he's there. We're not sure. Uh, so we are, we're, we're joining you all together today to, to celebrate Christmas, to be together to do that. So uh, we thought why not put everyone on an episode, see how the chaos ensues. So here we are. So Father Patrick, how are things? How's Christmas in, uh, in Providence? Well, it's all the better for spending it with you, Father. I don't know. I, I was pretty excited for this episode because one of my favorite parts of Christmas is Christmas caroling. And it makes me think of when we were student brothers. We used to go around D.C. metro caroling. That was always a that was always an annual highlight. So uh, you might want to say more about what metro caroling is. <laughs> back, at, back in the day, back Whoa. in the day, okay. uh, <laughs> back in the day, some of us would uh, tour around the city with the spont- spontaneous caroling sites. So we the, we the friars would go out with um, friends that we knew in D.C. and sing Christmas carols and uh, do a little bit of street evangelization. But those are always yeah. wild nights filled with at, great at stories. Metro stops at subway stops. That's why it's called Metro caroling. <laughs> I prefer to omit that part. Just leave leave people wondering. Uh-huh. Well, I like great. it's part Urban of the mystery. Caroling. It's like, you know, getting gorilla caroling, uh, bringing uh, Christmas to the streets. We did all of that. Yeah. So the Metro caroling, that's a lot of fun. Uh, Father Gregory, Jacob what Bertrand, is... life's mysterious. Uh-huh. Don't be so serious. Thank you. Father Gregory, how is your first Christmas in Switzerland? It's going groovily. It's uh, snowed many times. I was actually, as you were describing Metro Caroling, I was thinking of one of my favorite Metro Caroling uh, instances when Father Bonaventure and I designed the Holy Card. Typically, uh, the brothers would design a Holy Card and pass that out to folks as a kind of like, hey, here's a thing and Jesus loves you. And um, they would often choose images from the Renaissance, things that looked like Jesus and Mary. (laughs) Uh, But Father Bonaventure and I chose an image by an artist named William Congdon, and it's called the Nativity. But it's a little bit modern arty. And by a little bit, I mean a lot bit. So it was basically inscrutable what was going on. And I remember having handed a holy card to a particular individual outside of, uh, I guess it was Gallery Place. And she took the card from me, held it upside down and said, it's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, evangelization there. Excellent. That's good work, chief. Yeah. (laughs) Cockles of the heart have been warmed. (laughs) That's it. Awesome. So I guess as, as already has, as has already been introduced, we, we have a, a tradition in some ways of caroling that is, you know, obviously a Christmas tradition, but has a Dominican kind of spin on it or, or appealing to carols in our, in our Christmas celebration. So we have the Metro caroling, um, which was always a lot of fun going out in big groups, but another tradition, I, if if you want to call it a tradition, something that we, when we were going through formation at the House of Studies that we kind of grew accustomed to and really grew to love was um, uh, the way in which um, some of our Christmas homilies were preached by our, our by our own Dominican friar, Archbishop Augustine de Noya, who serves at the CDF in Rome, but would spend Christmas 
uh, Easter and a couple other of the holidays with us here in DC. And he would uh, usually the midnight, but sometimes the, the, the mass during the day, he would often refer or use Christmas carols to preach about the nativity and, and describe them and talk about them in beautiful ways. Um, pretty memorable, I think, for all of us. So we thought that we would share some of that tradition um, with with you, our listeners today. So our what we have for you in, in this episode is um, a handful of, of five Christmas hymns from uh, from our Christmas album that we, re- we recorded, the Dominican Friars here in D.C., recorded in 2016. Um, so if you want more of them, you can check out that album. Uh, it's, on, it's on Spotify, all those places. But we've chosen five. Um, we've each picked our own and we'll we'll listen to them together and then we'll we'll say a few words a little bit of a preaching about about each of them um so we'll we'll start off with with one of the beautiful uh classic christmas hymns um hark the herald angels sing
I think Hark the Herald Angels Sing is is one of my favorite hymns. Uh, it was written in the 18th century by Charles Wellesley and draws on the, um, the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. And what I really like about, about the hymn is how it is, um, how it accomplishes a lot of things for us. First, it's, it's beautiful, um, just the lyrics, the music, all of that. Um, it is also um, something that is triumphant and great and big. And um, I really like those sorts of things too. I love the organ, love the, the brass behind it. And it just really glorifies the, the beauty of the nativity and the reality of the incarnation. And thirdly, I think it's beautifully theological. If you look at the verses, um, the, the author, the composer, really does, I think, especially in the three verses that we heard, does three things. First, in, the, in that first verse, he heralds in Christ's incarnation, the angel choir singing and, and glorifying God. And, and in the second, talks about how God is made man, that he becomes, he becomes man, he takes on human flesh, uh, that he comes to save, which is the point highlighted in the third verse, that he comes to save us, that Christ is born not simply to be close to us, but to save us. As St. Augustine said, theology is, is meant to do three things, to instruct, to, to delight, and to move us. And I think the hymn, this hymn on Christmas Day, does those three things. It instructs us, it teaches us about Christ and the incarnation. It delights us, or at least delights me, with, with the great triumphalistic music. And, and it moves me. It moves me in, in faith. It moves me in hope. It moves me to love our Lord. Um, in it, we learn who Christ is what he's doing on this day, on the day of his birth, but also what he will do. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's a beautiful way to, to kick off Christmas day. The second hymn that we have, uh, that we have today is in the bleak midwinter. I'm a little more subtle, but nonetheless beautiful. Uh, this is, uh, a hymn that father, father Bonaventure will tell us a little bit more about after we, after we listen to it. In the bleak midwinter, Oh. 
So what I love about this this piece, there's many things about it, and will be less, say, salubrious and uh, highfalutin than Father Jacob Bertrand's was. But one is uh, because I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and snow and snow and snow and snow and snow are uh, just a huge part of winter. So, well, it brings to mind immediately the kind of Christmas season and our expectation for that. And then the long, you know, Christmas season after that, as we uh, play out the presents and all of that. So it's beautiful in that way for me and anyone who lives in the North. And then it causes one to reflect on people in say Hawaii or something who don't ever have snow for Christmas, as far as I know. And uh, you know, that's, that's a disappointment for them, I think, but maybe they don't realize it. And the second thing is uh, it's so personal in that Father Vincent Farabagan, who was the director and progenitor and coordinator and uh, arm waver of all of our music, uh, has a beautiful solo right off the bat. And you can just hear those rich, resonant Nordic tones. Uh, and he was a great singer and a great man who led us. And I've, I've loved the opportunity to be with him and hear him. Uh, on a more theological basis, I suppose, um, I love the the gifts. So there's this bleakness to it and the snow and there's this event that's happening. It's a narrative. It's a story about the nativity. And one finds oneself at the, the manger with, with the Christ child and with nothing to give, for instance. It's an imaginative, like, what if you were there and where would you put yourself? And the shepherds have, um, well, they could give a lamb, apparently. Uh, and the wise men, interestingly enough, even though they have gold with them, Apparently, what they're to give is duty, uh, which is a mark of wisdom. They're just supposed to do their part, um, which is interesting. And then what we have to give, well, it's the heart. And I'm not particularly uh, known as being a sentimental kind of person, I suppose. And that's why I like the bleakness of the title. But in the end, it's a, a beautiful offer of what is most important, what gift we can give to, to Christ. And that's love. Uh, not just knowing him, but taking that knowledge of him that we get and loving him through one another, uh, through worship, through all the acts of devotion, sacrifice, and these things, that it is the heart that is the best gift for Christ because it's the heart that he gives to us. The next carol, next hymn, it's not a hymn and it's not a carol, but the next piece of music that we're that we're going to listen to is it's actually a, a piece of chant from uh, the Christmas Midnight Mass. So it is the entrance antiphon or the introit from from the Mass. Uh, and Father Gregory is going to share, going to preach, going to tell us a bit about it after we give it a listen. Here we go. Thank uh-huh. 
So in this text, we hear from uh, the second psalm, and in that psalm, um, the chant begins with the words, the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And then the first verse that we heard was, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? And it's almost as if one begins the mass, uh, the Christmas midnight mass, with a proclamation of the Lord's plan, and then it goes on to anticipate an objection, and it resolves that and then announces the plan again. So the Lord's plan is to beget a son, which son will make us sons and daughters in the son. But the objection is, won't this be undone by the sinfulness of men? Won't this be undone by the rulers of nations? <clears throat> and in response, the Psalm says, no, the Lord has foreseen this. The Lord has foresuffered this and the Lord has incorporated in the plan, which itself cannot be defeated. Here are taken together the first seven verses of that Psalm. Why did the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. With a perfect plan comes a perfect confidence. And it's not a swaggering confidence. It's not an overweening confidence. It's not a condescending confidence. But it's the confidence of the only begotten Son of God. And it's like, um, I think of some of the scenes recounted in Homer's Iliad, where you have these two warriors who go out to meet each other on the battlefield. And it's evident to all the onlookers that one of those warriors is far superior and then the warriors go on to exchange, before blows, they exchange words as they tell each other how they will defeat each other in the ensuing battle. But some of those words ring hollow, and some of those words ring true. And when the Lord pronounces that he has a plan, that his plan is perfect, and his plan will not be undone, there are no words that ring more true, no words that ring more perfectly through salvation history. And so I love it that at the beginning of the Midnight Mass, the Lord doesn't apologize for taking human flesh and saying like, I know this is uncomfortable for you guys because I'm getting really close and you're going to have to like ante up and respond to my grace. And that's going to be tough, but like, don't worry, I'll hold your hand and pat your head and I'll feed you biscuits because that's what people in Switzerland call cookies. Um, he doesn't say any of those things. He says, let's go, right? He says, I have won the victory and we can stand to be confident. Confident, not by virtue of your own resources, but confident by virtue of my mercy, my generosity, 
and my love. So for that reason, I love this chance and I find it an excellent way to begin Christmas. With the same confidence that uh, Father Gregory just explained, we can turn to a, to a hymn that is, is full of confidence because it's about one who is most confident in her son in Christ and in his saving mission. Uh, so I, I don't know how often uh, a Christmas carol, a Christmas hymn is about solely about Our Lady, or at least she, she's in a lot, but there aren't a lot that are about her directly. So this is, this is one that we get to Sharon. Uh, Father Patrick will introduce it and spe- or speak more about it, but let's listen to Blessed Be That Made Mary. Oh. 
So, of course, the goal of Christmas carols is to make present the mystery of Christmas and narrate it. And that's one of the reasons why this hymn in particular shines, because it gives us the whole story of Christmas laid bare in just five stanzas. So it opens telling about the Blessed Virgin Mary. Then we hear how Jesus is born. Then we hear about the angels joining and singing Christ's praises. Then the kings come. And then here in the fifth verse, we're invited into the mystery. Recalling that here on this Christmas, we're the ones who make merry for this feast. I think, too, in these words, we can hear um, some of St. Bernard of Clairvaux's reflection on Christmas. This, this is a, by the way, this is a 15th century carol. Um, it's an, an, an English carol with that, that mix of Latin verse into it. Um, but we can hear something of St. Bernard of Clairvaux's thought on Christmas. One of the things that St. Bernard points out about Christmas is that Jesus comes to take away principally two things, um, our pain and our shame. And this carol sings of those things. Um, it sings of the pain of our sin and it sings of the taking away of shame. So how does it sing of the taking away of the pain of our sin? Well, it sings that Jesus was born to die upon the tree pro peccante homine, which means for the sins of men. So Jesus is there being sung as the one who takes away uh, who takes away our pain. And then he takes away our shame by purifying our blessed lady. So this is the, this is the featured carol, the blessed mother on the, f- the five carols that we're sharing today. But by preserving his mother as a virgin, he takes away any shame from our, from our broken sexuality, taking away any, any shame from those wounds in our heart and showing us what it means to be pure and giving us an example of that in here. So our pain and our shame are, are taken away. And I think it's so beautiful to find those themes in this particular hymn because it has the sense of a lullaby, right? It's a very calm style saying, um, you know, as opposed to the triumphalism of Hark the Herald or some other, some other sin. Um, it's, a very, it's a very calm, it's a very calm carol telling us they're there. It'll be okay. And for that reason, a very beautiful thing. All right. Well, coming to our fifth hymn, we're going to move from the lullaby carol to something again, a little more triumphalistic, a little, a little larger um, with "O Come All You Faithful." And after after we listen to our recording of it, uh, Father Joseph Anthony will will tell us a bit about it.
it's nice that we are ending um, our kind of selection of five songs uh, with O Come All Ye Faithful. Now, this is actually my second favorite Christmas hymn. Um, and the only reason I chose it is because this is the one on the album. My favorite Christmas hymn is was unable to be on this album because Escola didn't get the rights to uh, record a cover of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. So I had to go to number two on the draft board, which is O Come All Ye Faithful. But um, this is, as as Bonaventure said, um, it's kind of very personal hymn because it takes me back to going to Midnight Mass as a kid uh, growing up. And it was always sung as the recessional hymn at my uh, hometown church, my home parish growing up. And uh, it's the same way at the Vatican. It is the standard recessional hymn at the end of Midnight Mass. And there's a beautiful video, I think it's like uh, from... 2015, where uh, the Holy Father Pope Francis is processing out of uh, St. Peter's Basilica, carrying the Christ child in his arms, and the choir is singing this beautiful hymn. And um, you can just kind of sense the it, it's a very delicate hymn. You hear the kind of two cent, central verses of the four. They get softer. It gets a little more delicate. And then uh, at the very end, there's this uh, great triumphalistic uh you know proclamation that christ is among us and oh come let us adore him and those are the two things because this is the hymn at the end of midnight mass where we are returning back into the world after receiving god with us emmanuel and we go and offer that invitation to others to come all those who uh believe in to encounter the christ child the god who in his great humility joins us in our humanity and those are the uh there's these two beautiful lines uh that encourage us what do we do when we come into the very presence of god well we are to behold him and to adore him and you can, I, I imagine every parent holding their newborn child for the first time. All they can do is behold that child and adore that child. And that's how our God comes to us. And really that's our only response. I think um, far too often we, we think that we can, what do we do to earn God's love? What can we do? How can we, uh, you know, move into showing God that we believe him in all these things, but all he asks is that we come into his presence to behold him in his majesty, in his love and mercy, and to adore him for that. And that's what we will do in the beatific vision for the rest of our lives. So to begin that here uh, at the end of midnight mass to behold the Lord and to adore him is what this uh, beautiful hymn encourages us to do. Thanks all for tuning in today on on Christmas uh, or after Christmas, if you listen a few days later, hopefully, you know, there are eight days in the octave. So we get to celebrate the great feast, not just for one day, but but for eight. Um, so if you if you're interested in listening to the again to the to the five pieces of music, the carols and, and the chant that we uh, that we had for you on the episode or hearing the rest of the album uh, from which this music is taken. Uh, feel free to look us up on Spotify. The album's entitled Christ Was Born to Save. Uh, you can get it there. You can buy a copy. You can listen to it on and any of those sort of platforms. Uh, we do want to take a minute just as we're wrapping up to thank all of those uh, of you who have supported the podcast uh, so far by by listening, but also by um, by donating uh, through Patreon and, and other means. Um, we 
we are really grateful for that. And um, as Father Patrick has mentioned in some of our conversations, continually surprised by the outpouring of support. So uh, thanks for that. Thank you for that. Uh, as always, um, feel free to like, share, pass on the episode to someone who you think might benefit from it uh, and uh, leave a comment on our on our social media platforms. That's all, all extremely helpful to us. So from all of us here at Godsplaining, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Plan, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.